Hey dreamers, it's a new year. And if you're ready to take the next step in your interpretation journey, I wanna invite you to the Breathing Underwater membership. This is a monthly subscription mentorship where we have live Zoom calls where we do interpretations of one another's dreams, we ask questions, and we seek God in community. We also have a private Facebook group with weekly teachings as well as a one-on-one coaching or dream mapping call with me every month. Because we all need a little help interpreting our dreams and I believe God designed it to happen in community. And it's just plain fun. So sign up today. We would love to see you there. We were designed to hunger for the deep things of God, to thrive on faith and wonder, to seek out divine wisdom that defies human logic. We were designed to unlock the mysteries of God. This is Breathing Underwater. One of the most common sentiments that I run into when I am teaching about dream interpretation or I'm interpreting dreams for an individual is around the issue of the soul. We know that we dream from our soul at times, maybe a lot of times, and I have found pretty consistently that there's a disclaimer given when someone wants to share a dream with me, saying something like, Uh, I'm not sure this might just be my soul. Uh, I'm not sure this might just be my thoughts, my own mind. This might just be the flesh. This might not be God. And with that disclaimer is essentially a disqualification of that dream because potentially it came from the soul. Now, I realize there is long-standing prejudice, I would say, towards the human soul Many of us have this still in us in a deep-seated way where we may not even know that we have a lens toward the way that we are looking at our soul, the way that we feel about our soul, the way we think about our soul. I would venture to say this definitely has its roots in religion, but probably even further back having to do with shame. And now we know that this shame narrative goes way back to the beginning with Adam and Eve, that's when it first entered the world where that was that where there was that one instance where everything changed and all of a sudden they saw themselves very differently than they had moments before and ended up feeling the need to cover themselves, right? What I think is so interesting about this perspective on the soul, whether it's overt and loud and clear or it's covert and more hidden, is the fact that God actually designed our soul. He's the one that gave us a soul. He is the one that created us and thought us up in, its, in, in, a, in our entirety. Our, our physical body, our spirit, and our soul all came from the heart and mind of God. And I believe that it has been the enemy's prerogative to get us to hate, to devalue, to distrust, and really ultimately divide against ourselves so that we are of less impact in the kingdom. That attitude of disdain or mistrust, or even that eye roll that you might do when you have big emotions, right? That attitude towards your soul did not come from God. That is not how he views your soul. He 
loves your soul. He died for your soul. He lives inside of your heart. And it's really easy in religion to feel like we're being humble or even pious or even rightly aligned with God when we are somehow devaluing the soul that he gave us. But listen to me, this cannot go on. This cannot go on. And our perspective towards soul dreams cannot go on this way either because we are missing out on inner unity. We are missing out on understanding the heart of God and we're missing out on the richness that comes from these soul dreams and their purpose. So today we are going to go after these mindsets. I'm going to bring you a whole bunch of truth. Did you know that God has a soul? Yeah, God has a soul. Yep, we're going to talk about it. We're going to read about it. We're going to go after this today so that we can rightly align ourselves with his perspective, even over our soul dreams, so that we're not missing what he's doing and what he has to say to us. commonly quoted scripture used to back up the idea that we cannot trust our souls or love our souls is one that I'm sure you'll recognize. It's Jeremiah 17, 9, and it says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? But we forget about the scriptures also in the Old Testament, specifically in Ezekiel, where the Lord prophesies through Ezekiel that he is going to give us a new heart and put a new spirit within us. It says, I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and put a new spirit within you. And God goes on to say that I'm going to write the law upon your hearts. Why would he write his law upon our hearts if he doesn't want us to pay attention to our souls? Why would he take the time to give us a new heart and a new soul if this was something that we that wasn't in, inherently important for us to have? Let me give a definition of the soul before we move on. Now, this is the most consistent definition that I have found with my experiences, but also with scripture and with leaders that I have sat under or books that I have read. This can be interpreted different ways. So go ahead and just ask the Holy Spirit if you're feeling confused. Ask him to confirm for you what he means by the soul. But my understanding is that the soul is is talking about our inner man. When scripture talks about the heart, or the soul, it's our inner man. And this is where our mind, our unique mind, our unique will, and our unique emotions and passions are seated. So my soul is not the same as your soul, and your soul is not the same as your sister's soul, or the same as your mom's soul, or your father's soul. All of our souls are very unique, and they've been given to us by God, and they've been designed by God so that we would have our particular personality that we are designed to do the things that God has put in us to do. Now, we know that sin entered the world and things got a little bit messy. And yes, we have a propensity to go after sometimes things that are um, motivating out of a need rather than out of a godly desire. Yes, absolutely. Because of that truth, most people will say, we can't listen to our emotions. We can't listen to our passions. Desire is evil. And that is just so... That is just so untrue. Man, I feel emotional about it. That is just so untrue. We exist because of the desire of God. 
He wants us to have desire. He designed us to be emotional. He designed us with a free will and to have a mind that thinks what we think and is susceptible to the to mindsets that are untrue. But he knows because of his power and the influence of the Holy Spirit when we receive salvation that he can redeem our inner man, that he can redeem our soul, and that he speaks through our soul often. I'm sure many of you are cringing a little bit thinking about listening to your emotion or your passions. And you have probably grown up in an atmosphere where you were not given that space or permission, or maybe you were told that it was evil. And let me just clarify again here. I am not proposing that we allow our emotions and passions and thoughts to lead us. No. I believe that God is our leader and what God says is above anything that we feel or that we think is true. He trumps his will, his thoughts, his emotions and passions trump ours in truth. His are capital T truth. But we can also have truths in our hearts, truths about what we're experiencing, truths about things that have happened to us. I'm talking about lowercase truths, but that are important to pay attention to because they're a part of our belief system. In Proverbs, it talks about keeping your heart with all diligence. It says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it flow the issues of life. I would agree with this because we know that our heart has the propensity to lead our life. I mean, really, if we weren't connected to the spirit, if we weren't redeemed in this way, our hearts would lead our lives. But keeping our heart with all diligence means that we pay attention. It means that we listen. It means that we are actively working in our souls and paying attention to what's happening there so that we can renew our minds, so that we can allow God to come in and heal. This is something he's always doing as well. He is always pursuing healing in our souls. He's always pursuing what we're feeling and what we're sensing. He is not put off by your emotions, good, bad, or ugly. He's not put off by them. He's not scared by them. He has them too. I mentioned before, God has a soul. Have you ever read that? Did you know that? Scripture says that God has a soul. And we know that he has emotions. We know that he has a mind. We know that he has a will, right? So God has a soul. Two in particular scriptures that talk about his soul. One is in Leviticus 26. I'm just going to bring these two up, although I think there are a few more. Leviticus 26, 11. God says, and I will make my dwelling among you and my soul shall not abhor you and I will walk among you and I will be your God and you will be my people. Wait, what? God is saying that his soul shall not abhor us? Oh, yes, he has a soul. Let's look at another one. Isaiah 42, 1. Behold, my servant whom I uphold. This is the Lord speaking. Behold, my servant whom I'm uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. God is talking about delight in his soul. He has emotions. 
He has a soul. He has a will. He has a mind. Scripture talks about having the mind of Christ. Who can know the mind of God? But the spirit who searches out all the deep things of God. Okay, we know the will of God. We always talk about the will of God. It's his plans and purposes to come to pass. God has a soul and he made us in his image. He's not divided against his own soul. He is in perfect unity with himself. He's in perfect unity with the Trinity and within himself. Dividedness doesn't lead us anywhere. A house divided against itself cannot stand. That is what Jesus said. This is not just talking about a household or a church or a community. This is talking about an individual. Unity, connection, intimacy, it happens within us before it happens without us. Think about it for a minute. Any issues that you might be having with intimacy with others outside of you, I'm not talking about sexual intimacy, although of course that could be a part of it as well. I'm talking about that into me you see, that ability to share your innermost thoughts, to share who you really are and be vulnerable with other people so that you actually feel connected with them. When you're on that level with them where you're, where you're real and you're authentic and you're allowing people to see you, in those areas where there's issues with intimacy, it's probably because there's self-protection happening, right? Or there's miscommunication or there's past hurts. But if we were to individually go and do the work inside ourselves to come into unity internally and to come into intimacy internally, if we were all really taking up the call to keep our soul with all diligence. I believe that the disunity externally would dissolve. Well, how do you play that, Margot? How does that work out? What I mean is when we are aware of what we are bringing into a situation, whether that is what we believe or what we're feeling because of something that we believe, we're bringing our baggage into our interactions and into our relationships and we can't help it. We can't help it. It is marked on our heart, in our soul. There's wounding there and there's beliefs there that came from somewhere. And it isn't up to us to fix that. We're not God. We do partner with him so that we can renew our minds. We do invite him into it so that he can do the transforming work. But how can we do that if we don't even know what's ours and what's not? How can we do that when we don't even know what's off and what's correct. So often we feel we're seeing clearly, but we're really seeing through a tinted lens because of something that's happened to us in our life. And the only way for us to really know that is to hold that up against the measuring line, which is the word of God, which is the word of the Holy Spirit, which is the character of Jesus. So if we are working on internal unity, meaning in that area where you really dislike yourself, or you are choosing not to listen to yourself or to, or to judge the feelings that you're happening, that are happening internally, you are now in unforgiveness with yourself. And let's be real. Jesus talks about unforgiveness all the time. It even says like, if you don't forgive people, then he won't forgive you. And we know that with unforgiveness comes bitterness and we can have self bitterness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And where there's bitterness and unforgiveness, it starts to fester and there's just gross stuff that happens. And so many times there's space for the demonic to come in and take up residence. So when we are 
paying attention to what's happening and we're recognizing the internal disunity, we can take it to the Lord to have that cleaned, to have that healed, to have that righted. And then we come back into right alignment with ourselves. Then we see ourselves rightly. And when we see ourselves rightly, we have a different confidence because we're aware that we're very valuable to God. And we have a different confidence because we're aware of how small we are compared to him. And things come back into the right alignment and we're not threatened the same by the way that other people are interacting with us. The majority of the time, the rifts that are happening in relationships, we're blaming on the other person, but have everything to do with us and our internal world, the way we're perceiving something, the way we're handling something. That's not saying what you're perceiving and is happening isn't real and isn't truly what you're experiencing. Of course it is. But the only person that you have any control over is yourself. Dang it. I wish it weren't true. I wish I could control everybody. (laughs) No, I don't. I actually really don't want to control anybody. But there are moments where you're like, man, it would be so much easier if everybody just thought like me. But listen, you have been given the privilege of having a body, spirit, and a soul to steward and to keep with all diligence to have responsibility for in relationship with God because he empowers us to do all these things. This is not to do on our own, but this is our work to do. And God is really about this work that he's doing in us with us. He is really about going into the different rooms of our heart, the different rooms of our soul, if you will, and bringing those walls down so that you're coming into unity internally. This is the beautiful truth and reality of sanctification, of coming into transformation with the Lord. Yes, there are moments where we are physically healed in an instant. Yes, there are moments where we go through radical internal healing from a trauma. Absolutely. And yet, mostly we are in process working out and being sanctified and healed internally in relationship with God by being aware of ourselves, by being aware of what we're thinking and measuring it up against the word of God, by allowing the voice of the Holy Spirit to influence us and taking that on in our souls to opening up to the healing touch of Christ. I was in a worship set this morning and we were singing a song and this this lyric just struck me so hard. There was a part where it said, "You did not despise the cross." And man, it just struck me because so many of the hardships I go through, I I despise them. If I'm going to be real, I'm not in the moment being like, I love this. This is so much purpose. I just know there's so much purpose in it, even though as I grow and as I mature, I do start to realize like, oh, this is, this is a part of carrying my cross. This is a part of being a believer. This is a part of following Jesus, that there's actually a privilege in this. And this is unto something beautiful. But Jesus knew that all of that suffering and going to that cross was because of the joy set before him which was union with us, right? But even in that, he didn't despise the shame. He didn't despise the cross. He didn't despise that suffering that he went through. He actually endured it willingly. He didn't even have hard feelings. He doesn't have hard feelings against that. That is mind-boggling to me. And as I sat there today, I just recognized, you did that for my soul, 
Scripture says that by his stripes, we were healed. That's not just physical healing. That's emotional healing. The integration of your soul and the healing of your soul was bought at a very high price. There's no higher price that could have been paid for your soul. Hmm. Think about that. There's no higher price that could have been paid for your soul, not just for your body and for your spirit or not just for your spirit. No, no, for your soul as well. Why do I bring this up? Well, because we're going to be talking about soul dreams, people. (laughs) We're going to interpret soul dreams. I know you guys are having soul dreams. I have a lot of soul dreams. And instead of turning from them, like so many of us do when we think about emotional things that are hard, or instead of ignoring them, like so many of us do with our own inner workings of the heart, instead of putting them in a category that devalues them, we are going to align ourselves with Jesus, with our creator, with the one who paid the cost, and we are going to value what's happening in our soul. There's no way to get to capital T truth if we're not paying attention to the lowercase t truths that are in our heart. We can't replace an untruth with a capital T truth if we don't know what the untruth is there. And soul dreams are one of the most powerful, clear, even though I know it can seem a little bit convoluted, but really clear ways of knowing what is happening in our soul. So what is a soul dream? Well, you probably heard me teach a year or so ago, about the different sources of our dreams. Not every dream is from God, right? However, I believe that we can find God in and through every single dream. And so there are not dreams that we're like, eh, I like that one, I don't like that one. We learn to bring them to God and let Him show us what He wants to show us. So a soul dream is essentially a dream that is sourced from our soul, not sourced from God. Now, there can be all kinds of combinations too of a soul dream with with God's voice in there or a God dream with a little bit of a soul voice in there. And there can be totally soul-based dreams. These dreams are usually the more emotional ones, the ones that feel a little bit more like a roller coaster or where you just are feeling really acute emotion, especially emotion that might be familiar to you. It is likely that your soul is processing and speaking to you in a time where you are a captive audience, (laughs) where you have nothing but time to hear what your heart is saying. We all know what it's like to get busy and to feel like we don't have time to pay attention to our inner world, even though it is the highest importance. So it comes out in our dream life. And instead of just chalking it up to my mind processing or just something that my soul is saying that's fleshly, we dig a little deeper and we look at the imagery that our soul is giving us or that God is giving us about our soul in a dream because that imagery often speaks and names and gives language for something that we haven't been able to name yet. Often we will have emotional experiences or we'll feel something really deep down, even though it might be subtle and not have a a pinpoint on it. We might not have a name for it. We might not really know what it is and where it's coming from. But once you name something, you're going, oh, 
my gosh, that's exactly what that is. That's been there a long time. All of a sudden, it's at the surface. And now I'm actually able to talk about what it is because I see what that's connected to. That's what soul dreams show us. They so show us images to go with those feelings. They are showing us areas of our soul that need attention. If you're having a reoccurring dream of a plane crashing, good news, it's not literal. I think you've probably learned that by now. You're not going to get in a plane crash. This is probably exposing a fear that you have. Now, instead of being like, oh, I'm just afraid. Well, what if you actually sat with your soul? What if you invited the presence of the Holy Spirit into that? Your soul is trying to get your attention. If it's reoccurring, this is because this has not been settled yet. You will stop having that reoccurring dream once you've settled and once you've gotten the message from the dream. This is true. I have had this happen and I have witnessed this happen many times. If there is a, is a fear that's being exposed through these dreams, your soul is saying, pay attention to this. Will you pay attention to this? And God is saying, hey, please pay attention to this. The Holy Spirit isn't going to come in and sovereignly take care of that without you knowing about it or giving him access to it. He could, but he wants to do this with you. And he wants to show you where that fear came from so that he can replace it with the truth and heal it once and for all. So he can uproot it from the root, not just cut a little snip off of one of the blooms or the branches. He wants to uproot that sucker. So he might be showing you and your soul might be showing you in a dream where that came from. I have so many soul dreams, soul dreams, some soul dreams that I continually go back to that are still narrating the season of healing that parts of me are in. And some of them are, are continuing to give me <clears throat> language and imagery that I didn't see before. We are going to go into this series now on soul dreams. We're going to be talking more about them and we're going to be interpreting some which does take a little different interpretation process, which I will talk about next time. But we're going to do this because I believe it's actually a mandate from God that I bring these types of dreams back into the light, that we don't snuff them out, that we don't cover them up or just shut them down, but that we would find even deeper, faster, maybe exponentially more healing when we're paying attention to the language of our heart and the language of God in our night season. So I just opened a can of worms, I think, for some of you. <laughs> and I'm not sorry about that because your soul is so valuable. The things that you think and the things that you feel and the things that you have experienced, the things you're processing right now, the fears that you're processing right now, those matter because your soul matters. And God wants you to see them and to own them and to know yourself in that so that you can come to him and, and come into integration and come into even more sanctification and into even more wholeness, even more fruit. Okay, I'm going to leave it there for today. If you have questions about this, do not hesitate to email me. I love talking about this. I have been doing coaching in the soul for 15 years now, doing inner healing stuff with people, but also coaching on emotions and emotional life as well as spiritual life. So this is, this is the intersection of all the things that I am really passionate about, 
heart care, heart health, spiritual care, spiritual health, as well as the prophetic and hearing God's voice and destiny, they all converge around one another. So if you have any questions at all, do not hesitate to ask. I wish you happy, happy dreaming, even happy soul dreaming. Until next time. Mm -hmm.